It's already been said a bunch of times, but I want to say it to Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are here and everybody that's going to be watching this later on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you hear it, podcast. Um, we're so glad that you have chose to join in with us. This morning, I'm super excited. I, let me just be honest up front. I'm not one of the people who changes the sermons because of a shift in our calendar, okay? So if you came today expecting to hear a Father's Day message, I'm sorry you're not going to hear one. I mean, I could definitely preach about being a good father, right? I could talk about the prodigal and the father who accepted him back home, or I could talk about how Joseph fathered a son that wasn't his own, right? Jesus. I could talk about that, and we could make it sound all good and spiritual, but I feel like God has something else for us this morning. We're in a series right now called Hoarders, and uh, this is only going to be a two-week series, and everybody said, oh. So week number one, we've already discussed. It was awesome. We talked about Mephibosheth and how his brokenness, he could have hoarded that, and he did choose to, right? His mindset was that I'm a nobody, I'm worthless, I'm useless, but David restored him, right, and brought him back to the table and made him as one of his own. The Bible said from that day forward, he ate at the king's table. Today, we're going to talk about someone else, and we're going to talk about someone that I'm pretty sure if you've ever been around church for any extended period of time, you've heard about this guy, and his name is Samson. We're going to talk about him this morning. So if you want to, go ahead and get your Bibles. Turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 16. If you don't have it, we're going to put it up on the screen for you this morning. Judges chapter 16. Amen. Um, if you aren't here today, you missed out on a good opportunity. We have chocolate-covered bacon and root beer for uh, everybody in the church. <laughs> and uh, you're probably thinking, ooh, that's gross. Don't knock it till you try it, right? Don't knock it till you try it. Judges 16. We're going to start in 21, and we're going to read through verse 30. Let's read together. The Philistines seized him, we're talking about Samson, and gouged out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with bronze shackles, and he was forced to grind grain in the prison. But his hair began to grow back after it had been shaved. Now the Philistine leaders gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to their god, Dagon. And they rejoiced and they said, Our God has handed over our enemy Samson to us. And when the people saw him, they praised their God and they said, Our God has handed over to us our enemy who destroyed our land and who multiplied our dead. And Samson said to the, uh, sorry, and when they were in the good spirits, they said, Bring Samson here to entertain us. And so they brought Samson from the prison and he entertained them. And they had him stand between the pillars. 26. Samson said to the young man who had leaded him by the hand, Lead me to where I could feel the pillars that are supporting the temple so I can lean against them. And the temple was full of men and full of women and all of the leaders in the Philistines were there and about 3,000 men and women were on the roof watching Samson entertain them. Just a couple more verses. Hang out with me. He called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Please remember me. Strengthen me, God, just once more. With one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistine for my two eyes. 
And Samson took hold of the middle of the pillar supporting the temple, and he leaned against them, one on the right hand, the other on his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the leaders and all of the people in it. And those he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just believe you're going to take this word, God, and that you're going to mold us, and you're going to shape us, and you're going to lead us, and you're going to guide us, and you're going to direct us. Lord, for everybody who hears this sermon, let this be a life-altering moment. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. When I was a kid, we went to Destin, Florida on vacation, and my dad and I went deep sea dive, uh, not diving, but fishing. Joe does not dive. Uh, deep sea fishing, okay? And um, I was probably six or seven at the time. And I remember my dad catching this really big grouper fish. If you know anything about fish, it, groupers, they can get really large. And when we got back to the pier, you know, the guys that were there, there's, there's always cleaning fish. You can pay them money, they'll clean your fish for you, that kind of stuff. And when we were there, there was a guy that was there from the paper, and they saw this grouper fish, and somehow, some way, the story started going around that I caught this grouper fish. Okay? And so, I, and they were like, man, that's a big fish. Because I, if you know anything about, I'm little now as it is, so I was extremely little as a kid. And the grouper fish, I'm holding this fish, and I'm looking all strange and awkward because it's so big in my hands. And they're wanting to start taking my picture, and everybody's congratulating me about catching this fish. And guilt and shame overbore me. It just overtook me. And here I am holding this fish, and they're taking my photo, and out of nowhere, I just break down and start crying. And I'm like, I really didn't catch this fish. It was my dad who caught this fish. I swear I didn't. And I broke down because guilt and shame weighed over me. And everybody was, everybody's like, no, it's okay, it's okay, you don't have to. And, but I was tormented by the fact that I was lying to these people that I caught this fish, and they were trying to take my photo, had me pose with it, you know, and all that stuff. And it, it just, guilt and shame took over me. And we're going to talk about that today. About how, last week we talked about how we can hoard our brokenness and it can become our identity. Well, today we're going to talk about hoarding our failures and our guilts and our shames and how they can destroy our lives and how it can wreck our lives. Remember when we was talking about this last week, a hoarder will take things and they think that they need it for the future and they'll just stash it away in their life. And when they begin to stash it away in their houses and stuff, it will become an object that will eventually lead to damages. It'll damage the property. It'll damage them physically. Uh, rodents and infestations and all kinds of stuff will start to come and inhabit that thing that they stowed away in their life. And it's the same way with us spiritually. Hear me this morning. Truth is, is there are things in our lives that we hold on to that we don't have to hold on to. And because we hold on to it, it will eventually become a hindrance to us It'll eventually become a burden to us and it will eventually begin to mess and wreck our spiritual lives completely up. 
And I want to challenge you this morning as we begin to preach this word and as we begin to give, give in to what the Lord is telling us that we allow Him to just peel back the layers of our hearts and say, all right, God, speak to me where you need to speak to me. Lead me where you need to lead me because I want to change. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to church and leave the same way I came. I can go to Walmart and do that. I can go to the mall and do that. I can go to work and do that. Church is where we're supposed to come and we're supposed to change. Amen? God's supposed to do something in our lives. Now, before we go any further, I want to kind of break this down for you, a backstory. I'm going to stretch some of your theology today, okay? I want to stretch some things that you've probably been taught all your life that isn't exactly factual. Can we do that? Amen. Cool. And the reason why is it's because I don't want to do things and say things just because that's what my granddaddy said, right? I want to say it and I want to do it because it's beneficial and it's truth. Amen. So before there was a king of Israel, before Saul became king, Israel didn't have a king. They didn't function that way. Everybody else did. The Israelites didn't. And they were governed by a group of people that were called judges. That's where the name of the book comes from, Judges. Okay, And they were governed by these prophets, these prophetesses, and all of these people. And that's how God governed His people. Okay, Samson was one of those judges. And Samson's mother's name was Manoah. And the Bible says that Manoah was unable to bear children. She was unable to bear children. Okay, Until one day, an angel of the Lord appeared to her. And says, you're getting ready to have a child. It blows my mind how many times there's angels that show up to tell women that they're getting ready to bear children. And it's always a mark and a sign that there's godly, something godly has taken place in this child's life. Okay, But an angel of the Lord came to her and said, you're going to have a son. Now here's the thing about this particular visitation. Whenever she was visited by the angel, the angel said this, you're going to have a son, but... And he gave a list of things that she was not supposed to do while carrying this child. Thing number one was, is you are not supposed to drink alcohol. He looks at her and says, don't drink any alcohol. Don't do it. And she said, okay. Number two, don't eat anything unclean food-wise. Now in Leviticus, there's a whole list of things that they could eat, they couldn't eat. And, and that's a lot that we're gonna, we could dive into, but we're not going to today. But just know there were things that she was not supposed to be eating, and the angel told her to do it. Why was this important? The Bible tells us that Samson was going to be set up as a Nazarite from birth. Now, what is a Nazarite? A Nazarite was somebody who consecrated their life to the Lord and to His calling on their life. Okay? He literally done nothing but ate, slept, and eat the presence of God and the calling of God on their lives. And they would take vows. Okay? They would take vows. And like I said, I'm going to stretch your mindset this morning in your theology. But I promise everything I'm telling you is in the Bible. Okay? So, I was raised in church... You know, you go to Sunday school, you go to Bible schools. And speaking of, if you were here to help for Bible school, thank you so much for sowing into our church and blessing our church. That means the world to me that you would give. And so the thing is, is I was brought up in church that, that Samson lost his strength because his hair was cut. How many people was taught that? 
right? What if I told you that's partially true? That's not the whole truth. As Paul Harvey would say, I'm about to give you the rest of the story. Okay? So here's the thing. I love this. It's crazy. It's much deeper than just getting your hair cut. Right? Nazarites were set aside. They were consecrated to God and to His calling. And they had three major rules. Rule number one, no wine or anything from the vineyard. Anything that grew from the vine, they're not supposed to drink it. They're not supposed to touch anything that's dead. Okay? Death was uh -uh, unclean. Death was unclean, right? And number three, they weren't supposed to cut their hair. Okay? I want to make a statement to you this morning, and I want you to register this in your memory bank. All right? Samson's failure was not sudden. It was gradual. Samson's destruction was not instant. It was gradual. Okay? So, here's the thing. We find in Scripture, in Judges 14 and 5, this is three chapters long. I want you to go read it. It's an amazing story, okay? But there's all sorts of cool stuff that Samson does. Samson throws the gates of a city on his back and walks up this hill. Samson catches 300 foxes and ties their tails together and sets the Philistine army on fire. It blows my mind what Samson's able to do, okay? But I want you all to, to hear what I'm going to say. In Judges 14 and 5... The Bible says that Samson went down to a vineyard. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but people, if you're going to a vineyard, you're going to a vineyard for a purpose. You just don't go to vineyards. Right? You just don't hang out in vineyards. Okay? So, again, three major rules that Samson was not supposed to, quote-unquote, break. Stay away from things from the vine. Where was he going? To the vineyard. A literal yard of vines. Right? That's where he was going. On his way there, the Bible says that a lion comes out and the Spirit of God falls on Samson. And when he fall, when the Spirit falls on him, he literally destroys that lion. He kills that lion. Like that. Rips him apart. And he leaves. And the Bible says that he comes back through going home after a few days. And what does he see? He sees the carcass of that lion filled with bees and honey. And the Bible says that he goes and he gets honey out of the carcass of this lion and he eats it for himself and he gets enough to take back to his parents and he feeds it to his parents. But the Bible says that he doesn't tell his parents where he got the honey from. Now, why doesn't he tell them? Because he got the honey from a dead lion. I don't know if you're keeping count with me this morning. But number one, you shouldn't be in the vineyard. Number two, you're not supposed to touch anything that's dead. All right? Now, the another story that happens within these three passages, I mean, these three uh, chapters, is there's a, there's a fallout between him and the Philistines, and the Philistines kill his wife, and her parents. And in the process of all this, he falls in love with a lady named Delilah, who is also being manipulated by the Philistines. And he tells 
Delilah comes to him, and and uh, the Philistines come to Delilah, and they say, get the answer to why he's so strong. Get the answer to why he's so strong. Why is he so strong? And so he begins to give her all of these fake things. Like, if you tie my hands with a specific type of rope, I'll be weak. And so what happens? She ties his hands with the rope, and then she's like, Samson, the Philistines are here. What does he do? He, like, hulks out of it, turns green, right? Okay, so here's the thing. We see three steps that Delilah takes to get Samson to lose his strength. And he falls for it every time. He tells her three things. One of the things that he said is, if you will weave the seven locks of my hair together. So Samson had dreads, for those of you who didn't know. And there was only seven of them. And he he said, if you weave them together, I'll become weak. So what does she do? She weaves them together. And so all of this time, she's tempting and testing what Samson is telling her, okay? And I'm taking a long way around because I want you to hear and get all this detail. And so, so here's what happens. They bust in, and Samson destroys the Philistines. Well, finally, in a moment of weakness, Samson says, I'm an Azurite. I'm an Azurite. I've never had my head shaved, ever. Now, it blows my mind that he didn't say, I'm a Nazarite, and I've got a list of things that I'm not supposed to do. And the reason why is, is he realized, I've messed up. So the last straw, technically, was, I'm a Nazarite, and I've never had my head shaved. And if you take my hair, then I'm going to be weak, just like a normal man. And the Bible says that she shaved his head, and that he woke up powerless. Again, hear me this morning. Samson's failure was not instant. It was gradual. It was gradual. But I want to point something out to you this morning that I absolutely love about this story. Now, again, this all took place before Christ and the cross and grace and and the presence of the Lord that He would come and go, right? When Christ was here, the presence of the Lord rested in the earth. Right? But the Spirit of God would come and go in the Old Testament. But grace surrounded Samson. Grace surrounded Samson. In the vineyard, a place where Samson wasn't supposed to be, and I want you to start piecing this together as we're preaching, but in the vineyard, a place where Samson wasn't supposed to be, God could have removed his strength then. But he gave him grace. And he said, I'm, he said, there's grace for you. He gave him grace. He didn't remove his strength. The second one, this one blows my mind for this reason. But he gave him grace when it came to the lion and the carcass of the lion. He touched the dead body of the lion and he got the honey out. And he could have removed his strength then. But let me tell you how committed God is to covenant. When God makes a promise to you, He'll do anything and everything he has to do to fulfill his part of the covenant, right? So God blessed Samson with strength. And Samson in return was supposed to not do these things, right? Well, the Bible says that there was a a period of time when Samson was under siege by the Philistines and God gave him a donkey's jawbone. Okay, so here's the, here's the curious thing for me. If you'll look at the scripture and you see this, if he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead, how come he was able to use the jawbone of a donkey? 
Well, the Bible tells us that God gave him a new or a fresh jawbone of a donkey. God was so committed to keeping his part of the promise that he gave him a jawbone that was new from a donkey. How crazy is that? He's so faithful. He's so faithful. And here's the thing. I know you're probably thinking, well, Pastor Joe, it was strike three that got him in trouble, wasn't it? You know, it was strike three that got him in trouble. No, it wasn't strike three that got him in trouble. Grace surrounded him when it came to Delilah too. And I can prove it to you. You ready? God, did he remove his strength? Yes, he did. But what did that do? It refocused his heart. Sometimes, I want you to hear this this morning, sometimes our failures, God will let you give, have failures, He'll let you stumble and He'll let you fall because He wants to refocus your heart and He wants to refocus your mind back to Him. Truth is, is that up until this time, Samson was doing what Samson wanted to do under the mercy of God. And God gave him grace. He was like, all right, I see this one, I'm going to give you some grace. All right, I see this one, and I'm going to give you some grace. All right, you know what? I'm going to let you fall, but I'm going to let you fall with grace. Why? Because God could have smote him dead. But what did he do? He allowed him to go through a situation. What did the Bible say happened to him? The Bible said that the Philistines plucked his eyes out. And they made him work and they made him till grain and press grain. And what did that do? That made him realize that he was, he was dependent on God. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get a little caught up and we puff our chests, don't we? <laughs> I'm good. Remember I preached on this a few weeks ago. We don't think failure can happen to us until it happens. And we don't think that that anything can happen to us until it does. I'm not susceptible to that. I could, I could just do. And Samson thought in his mind, I can do this. I've yet to fail in his mind. And that, ain't that the way it works sometimes? We'll do something we know we're not supposed to do, and the hand of God will rest there, and we get comfortable with that. Ain't that crazy how we do that sometimes? Is that there's things in our lives, man, I got by with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the bar a little bit. I'm going to push the bar just a little bit more just to see. And it, it's kind of like those people who come in and they're like, well, Pastor Joe, what does the Bible say about this particular thing? Is that a sin or is it not? We read the Bible to figure out what we're able to get by with. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's not a sin, so I'm going, I, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it, right? Samson had absolutely every right to take his guilt, to take his shame, and to carry it. He was guilty. Everything he'd done, everything that he, 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 he went to the vineyard when he shouldn't have, he, he, he ate the honey when he shouldn't have, he, he laid his head in the lap of somebody that he shouldn't have, and that guilt and that, I deserve this. That could have been his his, his mindset, you know what, I deserve to be blind for the rest of my life. I failed God. I deserve to be, to be weak the rest of my life. I failed God. I, I deserve to never have the Spirit of God rest on me like He would do. Remember what I said? The Bible said that whenever Samson would come into that strength, the Spirit of God was resting on him. That's what would happen. It would come and it would go. And it would come and it would go. 
It would come and it would go. And, and, and Samson probably was down there in that, that press and he was probably thinking, I don't deserve to ever feel the Spirit of God on my life again. And he, and he began, he, he, he could have begun to take those mindsets and say, this is who I am. Remember Mephibosheth done that last week. This is who I am. This is what I deserve. This is where I belong. This is what has happened and this is all I'm ever going to be. Come on, somebody. And the truth is, is that the enemy drove him to that point and he wants to drive us to that point. I've made mistakes. I've faltered. I've failed. I've, I've messed up completely and terribly. And he wants to drive us to that point. And I'm going to be a little bold and I'm going to make a statement this morning and say that that hoarder's lie that we talked about last week where I'm going to need this in the future. I'm going to need this. I'm not going to get rid of that out of my house because I need that. A lot of us will cling to failure because it's easier for us to be a failure in our minds than to serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times that I've asked God, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. Kill me now. <laughs> I, you know, Lord, I, I apologize, God, but I can't do it. I can't do it. And here's, what's, here's what Samson realized while he was in there grinding that meal. He, he starts talking to the Lord and he says this, God, remember me. Has the enemy ever told you that God doesn't even remember who you are? That He doesn't even care who you are? That He checked you off His list? Come on, somebody. That He, he comes to you and says, Man, He said, you've done a lot of ignorant stuff in your life, but that one right there, God's done with you. You know what? You failed so much that God's done with you. You were supposed to be committed to the Lord. You were supposed to be sold out to God. You remember that time whenever church was awesome and you got up from that altar and you were like, today, moving forward, I'm done with that. And then before the week was over, you fell right back into it. You remember that? That's what the enemy's trying to do to you and make you realize that was the moment that God checked you off of His list. Samson, what he done, and here's what I want you to hear this morning. What he done, the natural repercussions of what he done is what he deserved. Had he not been messing with the Philistines, had he not been, been in that particular situation, he never would have lost his sight. He never would have fallen into the hands of the enemy. Come on, somebody. However, because he was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing, falling into places he shouldn't have been falling into, Whenever his enemy got a hold of him, his enemy destroyed him. It took away his natural vision. Listen to this. But that is the perfect place for God to restore your spiritual vision. At your lowest of lows, you might be in the room this morning and you need to hear this. You might be here listening to this weeks from now and you need to hear this. At your lowest of lows is the greatest opportunity you have to get your eyes spiritually back on Jesus. And here's the reason why. is because you wouldn't be in the place you're in if your eyes were spiritually on Jesus in the first place. 
Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And the truth is, is that our lowest of lows is the greatest time for God to restore our vision on Him, to reset our mind on Him. You know, and, and I love that scripture that Paul writes where he says, in my weakness, I will boast about my weakness. I'm proud, pretty much, of what he was saying, of my weaknesses. Why? Because in my weaknesses, God is made strong. And we can see how strong he is in my weakness. And I can see how good he is in my weakness. And I can see how great he can work with me in my weakness. I want to encourage you this morning. You may be on rock bottom, but that's the greatest place you could be. Why? Because you're at the lowest you can go. And God wants to, it's a, the rock is a great place to build. It's a good foundation. Your failure and your shortcomings can do one of two things. It can cause you to hoard up guilt and shame and shut down. Or it can cause you to realize that you never had it all together in the first place, like you thought you did, and you need the Lord. One or two things. You're either going to say, I'm done. Or you're going to say, man, I needed God in the first place. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to me. And I think failure, you know, it, let's look in the natural realm for a second. Let's remove all spirituality. Let's, let's just peel that layer back of our lives and let's look at natural things. If you're trying to do something, men, since it's Father's Day, I'm going to peg you guys. If, it, if you're trying to do something naturally in the, in the physical that you're not able to do, if you're anything like me, come hell or high water, you're going to figure out how to do it. I will not be outdone. Come on, somebody. That's who I am. And the truth is, is that we want to lean into our own natural abilities to do things. We do not want to look at a book to show us how to do it. We'll figure it out ourselves, right? I don't want to get online and look up instructions. I don't want to get on the YouTubes and figure out what's, what to do. I want to, I'm going to figure it out myself. I don't need any help. But the truth is, is it don't work that way in the spiritual realm, right? Why? Because in the natural realm, a lot of times we're missing pieces whenever we got it put together, right? Like we got extra screws or something, and we're like, what? where did this go? And, and it's wobbly, but it stands, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, and so, but in the spirit realm, it's the same way. We will strive and strive and strive and strive to do things on our own. And when we fail... We fail hard and we fail miserably. And then we realize this whole time I've been doing this myself. If I'd have just listened to the Lord, I wouldn't be in this spot. I wouldn't be in this place. Come on, somebody. And I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let the enemy pack your mind full of lies and pack your spirit full of lies saying you're useless, you're unworthy, you're not able, you're not capable. It wasn't you in the first place. That's what Samson realized. He said, God, remember me. And he realized in that moment, I'm getting ready to go out here. And he told, he told the young boy, put me between the pillars. I want to lean on the pillars that support the temple. And he knew, I can't do this by myself. I was never able to do it by myself anyway, but I gave myself the credit. Because if he was really being obedient to the Lord, when Delilah said, where do you get your strength? He would have said, I get it from God. The Spirit rests on me and I get it from the Lord. But what did He say? He said, don't cut my hair. <laughs> you know? 
But and so I want to encourage you this morning. Samson's prayer was simple. God, remember me. And the next thing that he said was this. Strengthen me. I think there's a lot that we can learn from this prayer this morning. Lord, I failed you. Remember me. Remember me, your servant Joe. I failed you. And because I failed you, strengthen me. Because I've messed up, strengthen me. Because I can't do it on my own. And I love this. And let me do what you intended for me to do. There's a passage in this scripture that I didn't point out until now where the Bible says that Samson married a Philistine woman because God ordained the union between them so he could destroy the Philistine army. Let me tell you this. Your failures, if you let it, will keep you from doing the God-driven purpose on your life. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to shut you down. Every single person in here has a God-driven purpose on their lives. Every single one of us. And you know what we'll do? We'll mess up and we'll stumble and fall. Samson could have said, well, I used to be the strongest man in the world. And now I guess all I do is press grain. But instead he said, Lord, remember me and strengthen me and let me go do what you intended me to do anyway. Don't settle for something you're not supposed to settle for because some th you failed somewhere in your life. Don't let the enemy tell you you're no longer supposed to be this, but you're going to be this, and, and we get used to being this, and we, we don't allow the Lord to stretch us. Come on, somebody. But Samson said, God, remember me, strengthen me, and let me do what you intended for me to do. The enemy thinks that if he can get you to fail, he can get you to quit. That's why he's out to get you. That's why he's out to get every single one of us. If he can get you to fall, he thinks he can get you to quit. I'll never forget, I was running cross country. I know I don't look like I run now, but at one point in time, I used to run cross country, and we would run like 27 miles a week. And I loved it. Loved it. We were in a race one day, and I wasn't good at it. I'm just going to be honest. I wasn't good at running, but I liked to do it, okay? And we were running, and for some weird reason, God gave me weak ankles. And, I mean, I'll be standing up and just my ankle just roll out from under me. But we were running, and I stepped on a root and rolled my ankle. I had two options. I could have quit, or I could have finished the race. Let me tell you when I say my body wanted me to quit. I started hopping like, you know how you favor a, a leg when it hurts? I was not going to not finish that race. And my mind wanted me to quit. And that's the same kind of scenario that I want you to hear this morning. Some of us have fallen and we would much rather opt out than keep going. We'd much rather opt out then overlook the hurt. We'd much rather opt out than overlook the pain. We'd much rather opt out than say, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to finish. I might be crippled at the end of it, but I'm going to finish. I might be blind because of my actions, but I'm going to finish. And that's what Samson said. God, remember me. Strengthen me. And if your grace will just come on me one more time, I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll do it. I'll do it. 
And the Bible says that he went out there and he put his hands on both of those pillars and the Spirit of God rested on him one more time. And in his death, he fulfilled his calling. Are we willing to say, God, all the way up to my point of death, if you'll just rest on me one more time, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't let the enemy stop you. Don't let, you, don't let him put that in your mind. Don't start hoarding all of these excuses and all of these lies and all of these things. Don't let that be what deters you from being what God called you to be. Come on, somebody. The greatest thing about, about this, I, I've watched a lot of episodes of Hoarders. I've watched tons of them because I wanted to see the natural side of this. The hardest thing about a hoarder is getting them to let go of the first thing. I want to say that again. The hardest thing about a hoarder is getting them to let go of the first thing. And but, if you can get them to let go of the first thing, they're going to be more willing to let go of the rest. Listen to me when I say this this morning to you. Facebook, YouTube, church, hear me. If you'll let go of the first thing today, that's all you got to do is say, you know what? I failed in this area. I've messed up terribly. I'm going to let go of it. And I'm going to give it to you, God. Do you know what that does? That opens up opportunity for God to get rid of the rest. For God to move the rest. For God to clean out the rest. And if you only saw the people after these houses are cleaned up and all of the mess is gone, you can tell that they have a new outlook on life. And God wants to give you the same outlook on life. He wants to restore what used to be. He wants to give you hope, joy, and a future. Come on, somebody. And He wants to bring you back to that place. But your failure, if you let it, will keep you from getting it. Just like someone else's brokenness could keep you from getting it, your own failure could keep you from getting restored. The truth is, is they have had to walk away from people because they wouldn't let them remove things from their lives. And I don't want you to be that person where God's saying, hey, will you just give me that? And you say, no, nah, I think I want to keep it. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to move on to the next person who does want to get rid of it. Pastor Joe, God wouldn't do that. I hate, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for you, but yeah, he would. I'm not saying He won't revisit you. But I'm saying He will move on. Can you prove that? Yeah, I can. Can I give you a good example? Jesus healed a man at the pool of Bethesda. If you know anything about the pool of Bethesda, He wasn't the only guy laying there. The Bible says that he, he went and healed that specific man. And if you know anything about the pool, there were hundreds that would lay by the pool. And Jesus went for that one specific person. And that one specific person might be you. If you're hearing me, it might be you. And God's saying, now, will you just hand it back to me? Remember me, Lord. Strengthen me, God. And let me walk out what you've called me to be. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are a restorer, Lord. Lord, Samson didn't get his life back like he thought he was going to. But he did get touched by your spirit one more time. God, we're not asking for you to return us to where we want to be, but we're just asking that you give us your spirit one more time. And we'll do whatever it is you want us to do.
Lord, we ask right now that you just move in our hearts and you move in our lives. Lord, we surrender to you. We give it over to you. Everything. Remove that first thing, God. Remove that first thing. If we just give you the first thing, we're going to be willing to give you more because we'll see how good you are at what you do. And we give you honor for that. We give you glory for what you're going to do and what you've already done. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many people said you're glad to come to church this morning? Amen. Amen.